0: Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Welcome on the Lights From Data Show. It's been uh, about a week or so since we've been live, so we're excited to have Charad back on again, the CEO from Oval Edge, to talk to us about how really the business pathways could help us with that data literacy.
1: I would like to introduce Sharad a little bit. Although everyone knows Sharad, I still still want to introduce him. Uh, he is an ace technologist and entrepreneur. Uh, technology headline puts him in the list of the top fifty successful Indian entrepreneurs in the US. He has founded Oval Edge to blend his unique experience in big data technology and process management into creating a much needed data management product. Before founding Oval Edge, Sharad was a principal architect at the innovative software firm Hortonworks, now merged with Cloudera. He has a nuclear engineering degree from IIT, the premier institute of technology in India. Welcome, Sharad. And I wanted to ask you for the first time in our encounters can you tell us a little bit um, about your hobbies, something personal?
2: Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know other than uh, other than work, what is my personal thing, but uh, uh, <laughs> the work is my hobby. I think uh, that makes me excited to uh, keep working all the time. Which uh, really
0: shows because you're really growing your product and you're always putting amazing content out there. So it's very much appreciated. Yeah, but I think and we started
2: some hiking here and there. So we're trying to
0: yeah. do at least
2: pursue some hobby and some health. So but other than that, work is my hobby.
1: (laughs) Which is great. I don't know how many people can say that. I think it's amazing. And I, as George said, to echo that, I find that I think we meet every month or every month and a half. And every time there's new things that have happened at Oval Edge and news that can be shared, which is great. Yeah. So thank you,
2: thank you. But yeah, we're working hard to make sure that uh, we grow this company and we give them the product which everybody needs.
0: Exactly. Uh, but speaking of hobbies and hiking, uh, David here is mentioning that he, he's actually hiking right now, but he's looking forward to uh, rewatch this <laughs> when the time comes, just so as he knows, he's going to learn quite a little bit about it. Wonderful. So so business. Glossary. That's what
1: I call passionate and dedicated.
0: Absolutely. So business glossary, Sharad, um, and the data literacy. Data literacy is, seems to be a very hot topic and it's something that any organization should invest into. And is that for any sort of information worker, anybody working with data that you think should be data literate?
2: I think so. The the thing is that why there is a need for data literacy and suddenly now, right? If, mm-hmm. we, if we look back and kind of like trying to understand this, the idea is that um, like the companies, which companies are successful? If you take any company which is a successful company, whether it's Uber or, or Amazon or, or any company which is not a technology company is, is successful because they are using uh, data on their advantage, right? So, and whether it's say you are an oil and gas company or a nuclear utilities or anything, if you, do, if you are not using data to your advantage, so what will happen is that that only the utilities companies will survive because you need energy anyway. But what about healthcare? What about other companies? They will have a hard time catching up and, and competing in the in this marketplace, because data can give you a very strategic advantage on 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 your company's growth curve, mm-hmm. as well as using the bottom line or increasing the top line. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if the data is giving you the strategic advantage, then the first thing what you have to do is use data, and the data is 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 with is there in the systems and in people's mind. Right? The information of the data is in people's mind, and until unless this information can come out and go out, if more and more people are are using it, then only people can start using the data for everyone's every the good of the of the work, right? So. Until and unless everybody is literate about the data and how to use it and how not to use it, then how would you make a data driven digital transformation or anything like that? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to give you the data, but you become data literate. No, it's not going to work. Or 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 you don't become data literate, but but help me drive the company innovation. No, it's not going to work anyway. So until and unless everybody is data literate as well as little bit technology literate, then only the 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 digital transformation and anything can happen. But even though the technology literation, you, uh, literacy, you can hire people who are literate about the technology, but the data literacy, you have to invest into it so that people, because this is your data, that is your strategic advantage, and, and, and you have to put in, in people's hand. And that's what the data literacy is.
0: Well said. And before we go into to see how the business glossary can help with that data literacy, let's make sure that we're on the same page on what a business glossary represents because i think it might mean different things to different people so let's just clarify that and see what the benefits are and then we'll see how it addresses the data literacy so in in, in your view Sharad, how w- what what does the uh, business glossary help us do yeah
2: so uh, so there is a difference between the business glossary and the data catalog Right? Generally people say, oh, the data catalog is business glossary, so that's not. So the data catalog is the catalog of all the data you have available, right? So it's a, it's a catalog of all the all the data you have it. And the business glossary is a standard of the definitions. Um, so when we call about the, the standard of the definitions, so for example, you might have data about the, say, let's take an example about the personal information. So mm-hmm. people can call, Uh, the personal information as, oh, this is a PII information or personally identifiable information or some, uh, and healthcare industry will call them PHI information, you know, so that the same information can have different namings. Right. So the the objective of business glossary is to standardize across the company. And especially the KPIs, the key performance indicators, you know, how would you standardize those definitions so that people understand the same definition across the company? I have seen um, you know companies use a key performance indicator which goes directly to the balance sheet and mm-hmm. they do not have a proper definitions like especially like if you go to healthcare healthcare reports length of stay on their balance sheet so if you go any hospital they have it there and everybody is calculating differently and then they finally aggregate it's it's mm-hmm. not going to work right mm-hmm. there is a definitely there is a problem somewhere so mm-hmm. every definitions if they are not standard they are there's no Proper def- standard definitions out there, then then it's difficult to implement any aspect of uh, of the data. And the business glossary main objective is to standardize the definition across the company and then make it popular. That is the the another area we can talk about. It what are the different tips and techniques you can use to right and develop. get it
0: socialized and socialized, yeah. And uh, you, you know, and you mentioned that sometimes it's really different information. Uh, Or the same information belonging to different terminologies, like the PII, the PHI example. And sometimes I find it's always or also the other way around. So you have the same term, but with different definitions for different people, depending who you're talking to. So I think the business glossary can help clarify that as well and make sure that there's no conflict when two individuals are talking to another. They can refer to a business glossary and they know that now they're talking about the same thing. And I have a, you know, very quick story that came to mind is, uh, you know, you go, you drive around, you go downtown, you want to park and there's these parking meters that you got to pay. But uh, now there's also this phone app that you can just pay everything through the phone app. You don't need to put the coins in the parking meter anymore. And uh, I know like the new CEO to this one kind of company that was uh, developing the app. Came in to the work, uh, you know, first day on the job. He's asking, "Okay, give me, a, you know, a report with all the customers," and he got a, a report, but with so many totals that had customer next to it. It's like, you know, what's going on? Why are you giving me different uh, sums for what I've asked? And it it was because of the different departments that had different meanings of what the customer meant. So one of them uh, was, "Well, anybody that downloads our app, that's our customer already." Another one's like, well, no, anybody that is not just downloading it, but also paying uh, for the app uh, for, you know, whatever the, the time that they want to book there for a parking. And another one said, well, that too. But if they haven't paid in like more than a year now, we don't, they're not our customer anymore. We need to reacquire them. So I think the business glossary can also help, um, you know, clarify some of these differences too.
2: And also come up with a. That is where the data literacy comes into it. Uh, you know, the customers are somebody who have paid it, but those are maybe the prospects. Those may be the leads. You 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 give them the new name and popularize it, right. and make it better so that people talk in the same language. And when you download the the customer information from, say, your your different reports reporting systems you get the same information and there is no confusion around it. And then you understand what is the cost of acquisition for the, all this, a different aspect of it. Otherwise, how would you, how would you can any, take any decisions around those areas? So that's, I think you'll you get a very good example. Like, you know, that that's, we see this with our customer base everywhere. Like, you know, uh, in fact, not only customer base uh, within our organization also, we some, like it's a, you know, we see that like, uh, it's it's difficult. We are implementing business glossary, but it's still it takes time to to come up with this standard definition and then popularize it. So it's it takes time
0: for sure, especially especially for some of these uh, common terms, I guess, like customer, which you need to involve multiple departments. And as you're involved, involving more and more people in departments, the discussions can be lengthier. And uh, yeah, it takes time for sure. Tiana, you wanted so, to mention something.
1: Yeah, no, I, I had a question. So what, what would a business glossary include then? What are the elements of, of a business glossary?
2: So business glossary generally have a term, what the term we are doing, its definition, what the definition you are having it, right? Um, then you need to also need to make sure that who is the steward, who is maintaining it, you know? And then you need to also have some sort of information that, okay, um, like um, who is the, what is the approval process for this, right? You know, is there approval council which you need to approve it or this, is it self somebody created that? What is the approval mechanism for this? And then the most important thing is you have to, you have to really associate this, but wherever the, this is getting used, right? Mm -hmm. So that the idea is that the, okay, the, if the business glossary is there, which is the definition around everything, that's good. But okay, tell me where it's used, uh, you know, and and that is where I think the the real challenge is is that okay I have I put the definitions at some places. If I have, if most of the time people put a you know business glossary, believe me or not, and they have a spreadsheet, fancy spreadsheet, but put all the terms, the data governance team sit together, they put it, and they put it in a shelf, and then nobody's using it and nobody's aware about it. And it's like, what is the purpose of it, right? It needs to get popularized with every business processes everywhere. That is the the main objective of the business glossary to popularize it and do it. So, so those are the another component which is which should have it. And that's, that, that is needed for the adoption of the business glossary. And then most of the time for compliance reason, Sometimes you want to make sure that is it a confidential information or is it a, a non-confidential information? Is it a, a privacy information? What kind of compliances are there? That is also very very helpful. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know um, those are the uh, and then you also want to keep some you know some other information whatever you want to track with with that. So since you are you are associating all this information there. Uh, any other information you want to track regarding the like the committees and internal processes, that is also important. That those are the the some areas where we see most of the time people uh, track this in the business glossary. There may be I think uh, George can say a little bit more to that. that you know what else he sees. Uh, is what people associate with the business glossary.
0: You know I've seen organizations that have maybe more than fifty sort of attributes uh, for a business term. Uh, in in their business glossary entry so sometimes it can maybe be a little bit over the top i guess some do need uh, all that level of detail uh but you know sometimes you kind of have to balance it out and make sure that you know you're not putting a hundred uh fields there for that data steward to fill out whenever a new entry needs to be added but um yeah i I mean I can think of some common other attributes like just you know the synonym and other related terms and processes just to kind of help again that with that data literacy and navigate the 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 verbiage the language that the organization might use um just to i guess offer a way for people to also search for the synonym but then actually find the approved business term instead yes and a data data element there and um yeah, there's definitely some technical metadata. Sometimes there's some data classification uh, that tells you, well, this is you know highly confidential data, or this is you know low impact data.
2: Or, or yeah, it's confidentiality, privacy, compliance. Um, those are the various reason. And then the yeah, I mean that's come to the another topic is that how do you how do you organize your business glossary? That's where I think that's uh, fifty fields you see it. I mean, you know we. We in our application, we support like any number of fields you can add. And we have um, we have, I think, 100 fields and, and people have have like crossed all the fields, like like we have implementation. Like, like, like what, like, are they using these many fields? But people like a bigger organization have those needs.
0: So they are oh, absolutely yeah. Kind of and it's always great to have the field tied to a reference um, element, reference data um field just so people can choose from a drop down instead of typing it in as a comment uh, that would hold all that information and uh, garima here is mentioning that business glossary is one of the very important artifact within data governance we can agree with you more and also for delivering data lineage so bringing out the harmonization throughout the organization is a time consuming but definitely worth it positive positive uh, discussion thank you for listening in garima
1: I wanted to ask uh, who is who is in charge or who should um, have the initiative of creating um, a business glossary and how does that person get buy-in from the organization?
2: That is a very good question, Diana. Um, let me uh, take a take uh, on that. So generally speaking, um, this comes under the chief data officer's domain, uh, this specific thing. Um, generally, uh, a data governance manager has been identified for this purpose. A specific purpose and uh, he or she is generally responsible for it. The good part, I know I will say a little bit uh, on this one is to mention the, how the industry is getting better on it. I generally see in our customer base, 50-50 ratio between he and she. So it's just to 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 see that how good this data industry is in terms of gender equality, what we are seeing it, uh, mentioning it. Uh, so, um so generally speaking that the data governance manager is responsible for for at least to creating an effort about uh, uh maintaining those business glossary now it's come down to the, who should be involved in maintaining the business glossary that's where um that is where i think we have, we, we are proposing is two approaches one mm-hmm. is the top down approach and another the bottom up approach so say, for example, your organization is new, like let's say there's a new or they are creating a new initiative. Then you you sit together, you come up with the, your business terms, which you're going to measure or what are the key, key performance indicators are. You have to go and define the definitions and you put it in the, into business glossary. So that is a very simple approach if you are a standard organization and any, any new upcoming organization. And if you are an existing organization and you grew out of acquisition merger or you grew out of like a lot of apartments and then grew into it. Then in that case, you have to use bottom up approach. And bottom up approach means that you have to literally go and, and use those, say, for example, you want to, again, a, a, suppose there's a hospital and the hospital is growing out and the multiple organization, and mm-hmm. there's some term called length of stay. So you want to figure out that, okay, who's using these terms and, uh, who should be the part of the the process who is going to maintain it, right? Because we are using those terms, so they should be on board. Of what should be the final definition of the business glossary of the length of stays? So you have to get those in on board, and then you have to get, find out their management process and where this information is used. Like suppose well, there are hundred reports which use length of stay, for example. Then you need to make sure that who those consumers are, who is using those reports who are those uh, executives who is using those major decision, find out who is making the major decision around it. And then from that, create a governance council or a process around that, discuss with them, and then come up with the proper definition of it. Sometimes that process is very lengthy and that's why you need a data analysis to conduct, to in order to build the business glossary that how can you, you know, which departments are using it, which departments are not using it, which individuals are using and whom to include and whom not to include? You don't want to include everybody to have a discussion around for for any uh, specific term. Uh, hopefully, the, there are not too many, but there are most of the organization have quite a bit, uh, quite a bit terms which need a general consensus. So it's a, it's a uh, it's not so easy to just say oh there is artificial intelligence is going to take it and then going to build the business glossary or or there is a AI which is, is going to build it. AI can suggest you okay, get these these are the look like same and can it it can be the same and you should consider that it can be a tool, but ultimately there is a, a consensus process is the key for bottoms up approach uh, in that area of building that. So those are the two things which which we are seeing a lot. Are, and and it works out pretty well in the organization. George, you want to take your take into it?
0: No, no, I agree with you, and I think uh, to your point, I think it's one of the most important artifacts that the data governance office program is needs to come up with. And uh, I agree with the, the bottom-up and uh, top-down a- approach. It really depends on on your needs, your own culture as well. What I think it's challenging is when you do have to include, as I mentioned, all those departments, uh, have all those discussions. And uh, there's always all these different nuances. But sometimes, like you mentioned before, Sharad, sometimes new terms come out of it. So there's disagreements, uh, vastly disagreements between what the definitions should be. Well, then you realize we're actually talking about two different things. Yeah. So, uh, so we need to we need to create new terms for that. And of course, then you you need to.
2: Example, right? The customers, you know, yeah. Like those. Customer who is signing up and those who are, they, they are not the customer, they are prospects. So let's use them as a prospect. Although you can treat them as a customer as well, but because they're not paying, so let's they use them as a prospect. Let's use them as a customer. Or or the, give them a new name called free customers or get them as a customer, right? So you have to give them new, new naming, new way to organize the data. And, and it's totally, I think that the, the coming up with the newer names, it's, it should yep. be the part of that. And yeah. and generally speaking, uh, the one of the thing I, I generally tell everybody is when they are deciding the business glossary that please do not use a one simple name, always trying to say, you know, existing customers, new customers, you know, if you are doing and defining the business glossary so that that help you uh, if you have two conventional, like, you know, like uh, two mechanism, average length of stay, you know, so use some sort of a mechanism to use one word here and there trying to like that simplifies quite a bit and then use more and
0: more in that area. Right. We have a great question here just that just came in from Naomi and I think we need to address it. Do you have a measurement for the business glossary adoption rate between having a tool like Edge versus a spreadsheet in SharePoint that, you know, never, never land. My company tells data literacy, but does not want to invest in a tool to enhance ease of use. So have you seen any any sort of difference between companies using Oval Edge versus just an Excel spreadsheet to start tracking their uh, their business glossary?
2: So when, um, so the first thing is that in a spreadsheet, you don't know who's using it, right? So it becomes very difficult to even track it. In Oval Edge, we have a out-of-the-box functionality so you can track how much usage is happening. So the one thing which we see mostly is the, if you just have a business glossary in Oval Edge also, you put it there. Then also people are not going to look into it. Um, like you know, why why should they? Instead of because the first thing they don't know where the business glossary exists, right? The problem is that it's it's the integration between between the business glossary to the data catalog, right? That's the key component there, as well as the the systems where the data is used. For example, if you are using Tableau and you are using reports. Are you integrating your business glossary to the reporting where the, the key performance indicators, where the data is really used, are they mentioned there? Is there a mechanisms are there where and that is where we see adoption growing for overledge is that because we have plugins with Power BI, Tableau, you know, Snowflake kind of systems where people can right click and see what the definitions are. Mm-hmm. Like, so that is where the adoption grows. Adoption is is and a spreadsheet is a is a Otherwise it's a it's the same tool. And whether you put it in a spreadsheet or overlay overledge just something more scalable, like you can in in business closely only limited number you can do it and it's hard to find and something. But that's a that's a limited advantage. But the real advantage comes through adoption, through plugins and those kind of things. When you integrate and, and everybody's aware, oh okay, this is what exactly it is. And that is why we see a lot of adoption grow using those plugins and Uh, and those kind of tools and tips and techniques. And that's something that I wanted to talk about. I'm glad that she asked this question.
0: And Naomi, I would say that, you know, you can always start with that spreadsheet, sure, but it's not scalable at all. I mean, you know, you pass maybe like 20 terms and you can already see it's hard to manage in a spreadsheet. So. um, a tool is definitely the way to go. And I'll give you this this one other example in terms of the, the value that it's really saving you. The IDC, which stands for, I think, the International Data Consortium, they did a survey a few years ago. Um, they were, you know, serving 600 businesses across four verticals, financial, government, manufacturing, and healthcare. And they found out that the average information worker, so that's anybody that really interacts with data in one way or another. They don't need to, you know, manage it themselves or do data stewardship or data quality checks or anything. No, they can just consume reports, for example. So they realized out of the survey, uh, they were saying that the average information worker spends about 9.5 hours every week searching for information. And, uh, you know, you Mm -hmm. can account that to be about, I don't know, $15,000 each year. uh, If you add all these hours up, which is a lot of waste and out of nine. five hours 3.5 hours they were really searching for this information but not finding what they were looking for and even if you have your excel spreadsheet in a SharePoint um, you know environment you know like SharePoint is great for searching stuff it's not great for finding stuff so definitely a dedicated tool like Oval Edge would, would help uh, reduce that time wasted to searching for information.
2: The, uh, and the one thing I want to mention is that the context is very important. So what happened in the business in the spreadsheet that you don't have a context so that where this information come from the lineage aspect or that where the data is really associated to it. So for example, you have a list of definitions, all the things, which is good stuff you can maintain in a spreadsheet, but, Once you come to and you do not have context and the context cannot go here and then each other and the vice versa, that is important. And I think you already gave the, that why should anybody invest into it? The nine and a half hours per person productivity is huge. And, and the number of people, and then you divide that, Mm -hmm. Uh, So one person's job can pay for the tool and then the rest of them enjoy for, for, for a ride, right? So. It's important to I think that sometime I, uh, you know, it's it's important to invest in software technologies because it saves time and effort and make things faster. And sometimes people say that I, I just want to take a little bit on that is that sometimes people feel that, you know, time, um, you know, I save the time. That's the only value. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that that is the only value. It's it's you are able to achieve that work much more faster. And your digital transformation journey is faster. That is the real value. I, you know, in, in our market, like you have to come early in and, and any market, you know, if you are in, in competing with Amazon for retail, you know, Amazon is already out in one hour delivery or one one day delivery. How can you move that? Otherwise, they will have all the competitive advantage. Like Walmart will not have that competitive advantage, but Amazon have it. So similar to that is that like the time to market is the key in, in today's world. Otherwise the competitors will catch on. And they, they're going to take on this. So sometimes, oh, this is just a time saving. No, I can still hire two interns, things will be done by them. No, it's 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 making things faster is the key to, to the competitive landscape.
1: You know, listening to you, Sharad, what I really, really like is how you combine this, uh, this part regarding uh, business glossary and everything that we talked about data with the business knowledge that you you offer at Oled. so um, I think half of the things that you say are very re- are very relevant for the business side and I, I think Oval edge so- solves a lot
0: well, I think we lost uh, Diana so, there. yeah abso- absolutely um, oh, we also have another
1: with
0: me <laughs> yeah you're back now. Uh, we also have another comment here, uh, okay. well, a question really, from Rahul. Um, and he's mentioned that when we start Business Glossary, we start with few domains. But idea of Business Glossary is to make common definition across the enterprise. So how do we promote a domain term to enterprise level? It's not possible to talk to every domain to define a term. So what is the industry's best practices to start Glossary in enterprise level?
2: That's a, I think the question also I have an answer to it. And we see this problem everywhere. Uh, so the first thing what we say is that, you know, create a one domain for enterprise and create one domain for your own department. So the one thing is that let's create a, you know, do not always try to create the business glossary for at the, depart- at the enterprise level is too much to manage if the, if the enterprise is big, right? So at least create the department level business glossary first. Um, in a year you will you be able to get all the department level business glossary at the different department level mm-hmm. and then go towards enterprise and then in the in the meantime you can keep focusing okay you know let's say the uh, let's see is the customer term is, is this used across the department is the same then let's move it to the enterprise level and one or two departments are not using the customer name term convince them so first get the consensus at the department level individually then move it to the enterprise level and then convince the department at the time you have integrated everything. So it will be much more easier for communication down. If the tool is implemented, then, okay, no, okay. We already implemented the tool and it's already integrated everywhere. So it's easier to communicate down now, instead of customer, we were using, say for example, common customer, term, or we are using prospects. Now the customer has moved to prospects. And if you have a tool that you know where it's safely used. you just change the field name and then it's easier. That way if you're not using tool then it becomes difficult that okay how do I manage it mm-hmm. now
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Then yeah. then you can you can have some different techniques and tactics for for inter- managing the enterprise level as well
0: right well well said um and um yeah, Anomi's. you know, by the way, thankful for um, the information that we provided. And Garima was mentioning that they've started at SharePoint initially too, but now having a tool definitely brings up a lot of benefits. You can define not only the business meaning of the respective term, but you can also define the meaning of your physical data, given the scope of your content. So is that tying into the technical metadata?
2: That's That's what it is.
0: And Shura, do you recommend? You know, what's the let's say the the order in which you do things? Do you um, implement the data catalog first and then the business glossary, or they go in parallel, or the other way around? What's your recommendation?
2: So, if um, most of the organization uh, generally, uh, if they do if they are not, if they're new, they do not have problems with this glossary. So I generally go start with data catalog first because it's a technical, you can just collect every information in two weeks and then you have the data catalog built. Now start building your business glossary from there. So from the bottoms up approach. Sometimes you can go to a top-down approach as well to to have the business glossary. Uh, If you already have a business glossary already, then the effort comes in or somewhere in a spreadsheet or somewhere in there, then comes down, okay, let's have this and then implement integrate with data catalog and now start implementing more business clustering. Mm-hmm. So that's the generally because data catalog does not take long to to because it's automation now. Earlier when the automation was not there, that was used to take time. But now it's automation, you just connect to your different databases, Power BI, your Tableau, your Snowflakes, your your SQL server data warehouses, your data and then it's just pull up all this information you have at one place. So it's it's very easy now right
0: and uh, she'll be very nice to see here uh, she's asking does the tool help gathering various different definitions for the existing um, existing for a term
2: yeah that's that's the idea right so there are different terms at different places you can gather all this term at one place and now you can analyze it and you see oh this is the terms it does not make sense but it makes sense that's the whole idea
0: of, of the product is right right
1: I from a collaboration perspective um, what is what are the processes behind it so there's several ownerships I I believe for uh, for the same term so how do people contribute or change the the business loss how do they update it
2: so that is for that we generally uh, so in our data governance framework what we recommend is that before you start building the business glossary, let's create a governance council first. The, co- the objective of the governance council is that you identify different domain, which areas you're going to maintain. And then uh, from the business owner perspective, identify executive leadership from those domain perspectives. You want, your, you want to buy in from your VP of sales. They needs a, some sort of a, like executive sponsorship as well. Uh, if the executive sponsorship is not there, your data governance program is not going to be successful. Very good, because it it's needs that support from them, right? And this just need a support. It just need a. It doesn't need a uh, like their involvement, but need their support. So once you get their support, and then um, you bring those uh, people together, then you create a governance council. Now, once you have your governance council in place, uh, then you discuss that. Okay, now for this particular domain, we only need uh, three of the executives buy in. Let's get the consensus built up and let's move on. And the, the role of that is the data governance manager. That is their job to find out who to get the consensus and how to get this going. And then you generally, I speaking is like, they should meet at least once a month the governance council to discuss any outstanding issues, anything around that, so that they they, they will be able to take care of all this, uh, the pending work is there. So that's a best practices, but best practice, but does not mean that you cannot meet every two weeks or does not meet as you can meet in six weeks, depending upon your company culture, how you want to meet it. Um, and also like um, having a, um, sometimes like, we see that like they don't meet, but they provide approval process through the product. And then, oh, we just approve it and that's good. So we don't have to meet anywhere. That's good. If you define your processes very nicely, then you don't have to meet and you you can just have to through the processes as well. So it depends upon company to company, but uh, executive leadership is involvement is necessary. Uh, as well as when the collaboration from uh, different group is identifying the people is very important. Uh, otherwise, it becomes a challenge that, you know, otherwise, you will not include everybody uh, into the business cross-rebuilding process, then they will say, No, I still use customer, I don't use prospect. And then my report is still showing customer, then the confusion will be there. And that Will, not, some reports will show customers, some reports will show prospects. So it needs to be able to have the consensus built up. It's very important. And, and that is why the, the integration with various existing tool sets and wherever, whatever you use, it's highly important so that you can search it, you can measure it. Like, like suppose, for example, you want to search a definition around anything, you can search, go on Google and you look into it yeah you cannot put your business glossary into the google because google is, does not provide that so that's why you need a standard a catalog and, and business glossary tool like overledge so that you can do all these things
0: right uh we have another great question here what's the best practice or approach at what point in the life cycle of data we should add to catalog and to the glossary
2: so the best practice here is um you should start implementing the tool first then you start doing anything um, if you are even even you, you're new to your uh, new to the journey of say data warehousing you're new to the journey of building this structure you want to put the standard first
0: mm-hmm.
2: that is the you want to create a process first it will become much more easier for you to maintain all these aspects later on otherwise you you keep creating the problem bigger and bigger and then it becomes difficult to manage the problem so it's like a generally I generally speaking the business glossary is like a project management um yeah, right so if you want to work on a project you want to make sure that you are doing managing it first if you don't have a project management you can still execute it for a certain point but then it becomes difficult to manage without a a project management uh, system in place right yeah so right. that's the the business glossary is kind of a Uh, a a kind of one of the area of your data project management aspect of it. One of the aspects of data project management.
0: Well said. So then Mohammed has a question on what are the main skills and qualifications for a competent data governance manager?
2: Uh, Take George's (laughs) course.
0: I appreciate (laughs) it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that is the the number one thing. And then you should have a... um, uh, a little bit learning around, like, um, like there are a couple of components uh, which you need to learn uh, to become a competent data governance manager. Um, understand um, that all this, the data governance terminology and uh, should have ex- some experience in data field. Like you should be, if you are working in the data, that means you are aware about the problems and that makes you a competent data governance manager. It's not a rocket science. It's not too difficult. It's, it can be learned very easily. This is the proper processes are there. That's the, uh, the course can tell you. And that based on that, you can just learn a little bit and then you make it, um, it's, it's a, uh, your, it's, it can be using a product and you know, some sort of a um, implementation part. You can very easily become a data governance manager. If you have some experience there and, and believe me or not, there is a lot of job opportunities for data governance manager out there in the market. We see all the time. like
0: Yeah, and, and Glassdoor, I think, by the way, they were averaging it out around, you know, 100, between $100,000, $140,000 a year. Uh, depending, I guess, where you are in the country and what organization you're working for. So it's definitely a great career uh, path uh, to go on. I would also have to add to what Sharad mentioned is, I think from a like soft skill perspective, you definitely need to have some of those people's skills, and in particular, the communication skills. Yes. There will be a lot of talking, a lot of meetings to lead, and to convince people to get to a consensus, especially when it comes to some of these definitions. Yeah, And
2: yeah, one thing I want to mention here is that it's a, also a a kind of a stepstone to become a CDO. Hmm. Yeah, most of the data governance manager I have seen get promoted to CDOs. very right. Because they have the experience, they have soft skills to maintain that, you know, uh, okay, I'm maintaining this governance and then I am, I have done this work to, you know, because CDOs also role is, is, you know, how do I create the value from multiple departments, multiple things, that's where the soft skills comes into very, uh, you know, the project managers are very good. Uh, Project manager who have some data experience are a very good candidate for for data governance manager role because they have the project management skills, they have communication skills, and they can also use some, if they have data skills, that's a perfect um, role for them as well.
0: Right. And and I know Diana was mentioning to me uh, many times the importance of change management in, in all of this too.
2: Yeah, change management is the key aspect of uh, Governance management.
0: Right, right.
1: And of business in general. I think every area uh, benefits from knowledge and change management. So, coming back to the business glossary, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how Oval Edge can help an organization build a business glossary?
2: Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, you can use top down approach or bottom approach to build the business glossary. So Top-down approach is uh, so we have a tool called Business Glossary, right? So you can where you can write all the terms and you can search it, you can do all the things. That is a good part. But the major part of the product is how can you build your data, which is uh, which is in the reports. these reports like Tableau, Power BI? Does it like all the reports are there? And major data objects like data warehouses like Snowflakes or their SQL servers, where people like really like Teradata's kind of thing. Where they maintain all the data, as well as like applications like Salesforce, SAP, where the terms are really maintained. So you crawl all this information at one place. So you have a data catalog of, of everything. And since you know now that catalog is, is a component which takes care of all the data, as well as it also keep track that, you know, what the relationship of this data is, how this data is in this report is used by this table here, this table is used by this table here, it knows everything. So since it knows everything, Now it becomes easier to build the business glossary because it knows uh, if you want to make a term, then okay, how this term is used in business glossary here, sorry, how this term is used in Tableau, you can go out and track it all the way to the system and say, hey, in in this system, in in SAP, we call it A, in in system data warehouse, we're calling it B, while in our Tableau report, we are calling it C because Tableau used by the executives this SAP used by some different owners, so different people are using different things, and the same term is traveling and, and calling different names. So, so it's easier to find that that linkage, and that's the context is easier. So that tool help you to identify those kind of things, and so that you can uh, track through it, and you can start building the business glossary. Wonderful.
0: And um, in order to access then the business glossaries, is something that's installed on an intranet or something that's online can be accessible from wherever you are? What are the yes. options there?
2: So the options are right now is it, it's installed inside your inside customer's firewall so that it's mm. not available on internet so that all your data is inside your intranet only so that
0: yeah, more um, secure.
2: More security way because it's your data is also connected to those. So um, you don't want to put your data to internet. So Mm -hmm. that's why you keep it within the internet and everybody have their own accounts. They log in through their their active directory or whatever the system they are using for single sign on. They go and sign in and then they use it. And sometimes they use plugins, right? So they, they are on Tableau or Power BI or whatever the tools they are using, they just right click or they click on it and they see the information from there. So the plugin is very helpful. So it's 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 on browser. So wherever they go, they see the information from wherever they need. So that's the end user adoption point of view.
0: I think that's the key because so many times you're implementing a tool, but then you're adding a barrier to the adoption by not having it easily accessible. And by integrating with reports, a reporting platform such as you know Tableau Power BI, I think you're you're really opening up the doors and uh you know the road to that data literacy that you were mentioning earlier on, so I think that's a great feature to have, and I think it's a must have for any business glossary tool, yeah, so'm uh, very happy to hear that Oval Edge is doing that
2: yeah, and say one of the most um prominent part of our um uh, of our like kind of tool sets,
0: yeah. Uh, Moham, you you touched about this a couple of times now, but Mohammed was wondering if you have a favorite approach, you know, top down or bottom um, bottom up.
2: Um, my favorite is uh, top down because it's simple, but it's not implementable practical because it's a, uh, because the organization is always have a um, lot of implement like all, all the term is already used everywhere. So it depends if the term is not used everywhere. If you know, then do the top down. If the term is used everywhere, then the bottoms up. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple decision. Um, if you go to an organization, you I, I can if I go to an organization, I can sense it that whether they need a bottoms up and tops down approach because uh, you know the number of people and the organization. If you go to a big hospital chain which have ten hospitals and something, you know that you need a bottoms up approach. If you go to a a bigger organization like amazon or somebody you need a bottoms-up approach but if you go to a smaller organization you probably need a top-down approach if you're a community bank or something then probably top down is good enough for you
0: right right and uh, raul has a follow-up on how do we differentiate an attribute to define it as business glossary or data dictionary not all terms in any domain can be defined as business glossary not 100% Hundred percent sure. Uh, what do you mean by this question? But I don't know if um, um, sure you? I think the,
2: the from in my perspective is that uh, the data dictionary is a is a dictionary of all the data, right? It's a non-standard. It's it's like okay, you define the data, what exactly it is. The business glossary is a standard term. That means that okay, this is what the standards are. This is what exactly the definitions are. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, What the overlay support is that integration between the business glossary and data dictionary together. So once you have a business glossary defined and you put into the dictionary, then it becomes a standards. That means you're you're acknowledging that this data is actually the standard. And if you think this is not a standard, you should not put the business glossary to it. You should define a new standard. For example, we have like, it's very simple example. You have a, sometime you have an address Mm-hmm. Where the address, first name, last name, everything is stored at one place. On sometimes you have a address one, address two, city, state, zip code separate. So in that area, you can say that okay, our standard is a is a address one, address two, and so that you can you can aggregate by city, you can figure it out, things like that. But certain field where your the users are typing, you might have address field as well. So define your standard and say okay, this is a complete address define a name called complete address and and associate your business glossary of address one address two address three, to the complete address as well so whenever the complete address is mentioned use complete address and wherever address one is mentioned use address one so you're, you're defining everything as a standard and you're saying this is the complete address this is address one address two and there should be no address then because address becomes difficult to understand because have be a confusion so remove that confusion by removing the address and keep those namings, uh, complete address, address one, address two, city, state, zip code. So there is no confusion that way.
0: <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. Cool. So I do want to encourage everybody to check out edges blog because they have a piece on the business glossary, well, and a lot of other uh, very insightful articles. Uh, but please go check it out. I'll post a link in the comments as well, so you can uh, just click on it and go read this further. And uh, you know, definitely go. Um, to Oval Edge, go for a demo, see what it's all about, and see how it's really going to match your needs.
1: And of course, connect with Sharad, who has a wealth of information in this area.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I'm available on LinkedIn or Twitter.
0: That's great. Please, please, please follow him. Um, As if you don't know this already, but he is he's full of uh, golden nuggets that he's providing every time that he comes on the show. So and we're hoping to having him back again. But until then, thank you, everybody, for watching and uh, tuning in today and uh, for seeing how the business glossaries could help an organization become more data literate.
1: Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for thank your you. comments, thank you, everyone. And support, and thank you, Charlotte, for being here.
2: Thank you, Diana and thank, you. thank you so much.